They're here. We're here, and welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast. We're all about cinematic connections. Each week, we're discussing a movie that connects the movie from the previous week's podcast. And because we always travel in pairs, I'm Zach Brooks, and I'm joined for the 145th time by... Brandon Fitzpatrick. Uh, they're here. You're here. We're all here. Yes. It's very clear. That was like, that's like the cliche line from this movie, but... It really um, is. I only wrote down that, and hey, I bet my life on this thing. Um, <laughs> which I wrote down a ton of other stuff, just not very many quotes from this movie. Yeah, I think uh, we'll we'll get to it, but there's one legitimate, like, laugh out loud, funny moment in this film that would have been good to pull from. Like, I don't know if anybody else laughed at this moment, but I'll be excited to get to the feedback and see because there was an unexpectedly hilarious moment at the climax of this movie. Oh, nice. All right. I'm excited yeah. to hear. Um, I found lots of parts of this movie very funny. Um, yeah. This movie, of course, what we're talking about, uh, because last week we talked about The Omen, and this week, due to a uh, Creepy Kids and Creepy Jerry Kid Goldsmith, mm-hmm. uh, Jerry, composer Jerry Goldsmith connection, yep. we will be talking about the Toby Hooper 1982 Poltergeist, which is not directed by Steven Spielberg, but is produced and written by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And... Uh, so Poltergeist is what we're going to be talking about. Then at the end of the episode, we will decide on a, our next movie based on suggestions from you listeners, which we have a couple of you, and uh, us, your hosts, which we have the two of us, the pair. Uh, so we'll be spoiling Poltergeist. So if you've not seen it, it is on HBO Max. Uh, no need to buy the Blu-ray or DVD, but mm-hmm. if you want to, you can. And uh, Or if you want to just skip ahead to what, find out what we're going to be watching next week, we will put that timestamp in the podcast description. Uh but as somebody who watched Poltergeist for the first time last night on HBO Max, I can say I think you should watch it. This was a very fun movie to watch around this time of year. So. Super spooky. Yeah, super spooky. I like in it. In so many ways. It has like everything. It has like everything that could be like this a This movie, movie has everything. Yeah. Clowns with really long arms. Yes. Los, Angeles, Los Angeles football fans. And baseball. And, and <laughs> Dodgers as well. Yes. Uh, Abandoned graveyards. <laughs> yeah. No, this was like a mashup. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it. This is like a mashup of so many movies. Um, Absolutely. I don't know if this had jump scares. Might be the only horror trope that was missing from this movie. Mm, I think the, um. well, we'll get to it, but I think I think there's one legitimate jump scare. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This might be the most notes I've ever written down. On, I have a lot uh, of notes. It's been the, yeah. the most notes in a couple of weeks that I've written yeah. down. Um, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Age and a half. Uh, and hey, uh, we've got a little baseball still because we've had we had that yeah, month of baseball and we're we're keeping Camp it going. Football. Yeah. Um, but before we do, uh, yes. Uh, always as always, submit your feedback at Ladder Movie on Twitter, the Movie Ladder at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, feedback ratings, anything you want for the show, suggestions for next movies, and then check us out on Letterbox, the Movie Ladder. We are on Letterbox. We have a watch list on there, so you can see every movie that's been suggested. That has not been picked yet. That watch list is growing ever longer each week. And uh, as we get closer to the end of the year, you'll want to pay attention to that watch list because, uh, you know, maybe we'll do what we did last year, which is where we say only movies that were nominated in the last year will be eligible. Indeed. Although, maybe we'll do, I mean, we did something else uh, a couple years ago for our first, you know, kickoff the next season. So maybe we'll do something different next time. So, uh, all right. Brennan, how is, uh, how's life in your part of the woods? Uh, life is good. Life is good. It's a beautiful 72 degrees here in Washington, D.C. Uh, let's see. What was the best thing I watched this week? There's a I didn't ask things. the best thing yet, but go ahead. What's the best uh, thing life, life is good. Life is good. I'm just uh, enjoying 
uh, spooky season, watching watching movies and watching TV and trying to enjoy the fall for the few weeks that it's actually fall in BC before it gets legitimately cold. Are you gonna dress up for Halloween? Um, we may we may hand out candy at my brother's like we do every year, and I may dress up or I may not. I don't know. Are you gonna dress up as the poltergeist clown? That would actually be pretty funny. Yeah. That's a little too elaborate for me, but you know, yeah, maybe I'll go as a disgruntled Los Angeles Rams fan. There you go. <laughs> or a guy, a guy, you know, if you bike over to your brother's house with a case of beer. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can don't hurt yourself. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Be beer guy. Now I will ask, Brendan, what's the best thing you watched this week? Well, it's funny. I wasn't initially going to talk about this this week, but um, sh- uh, just a short time ago, the news broke that uh, the great actress Angela Lansbury passed away. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, just a few hours ago, to time to date this podcast a little, um, and she was just in a movie I watched over the weekend. Um, I watched the drama, uh, psychological thriller Gaslight from 1944. Oh, she's in Gaslight. Uh huh. Yeah, she is the maid. Or did in... you? Huh. I know. I don't. Somebody will have to tell me if I actually watched this movie after I'm done describing it, um, or if it was all just uh, a figment of my imagination. But uh, directed by the great George Cukor, um, starring Charles Boyer, Ingrid Bergman, Angela Lansbury, Joseph Cotton, who I really, really like. He's fantastic in this. Um, you'll remember him. Uh, we we uh, had our Joseph Cotton movie with Citizen Kane a couple years ago. Um, he's really great in this. Um, yeah, this is basically a psychological thriller on borderline horror movie about a um, woman who moves into her aunt's old house with her new husband, and creepy, crazy things start to happen, and she may or may not be going insane, or there may actually be strange things happening to her. Um you would have to watch the movie. Very Hitchcockian. I'm yeah, sure. it's very Hitchcockian. Um, I really loved this movie. I thought this was um, really well done. The tension throughout the movie is, you can feel the tension with this creepy guy that she ends up marrying. Like from moment one, you see him, and you're like, okay, this dude's a creep. Like, yeah. So I I thought this was a really great movie. Really great performance by uh, Ingrid Bergman. Um, as I said, Angela Lansbury pops up as their uh, maid, who also ends up like embroiled in the plot. Um, you can, it's up for debate whether or not how like in on the plot she is, um, to a degree. But I really liked her in this. Um, yeah, really great movie for 1944. Um, and if you're looking for something a little more modern for spooky season. I'm not going to get too much into it because I know we try to keep the segment short. Uh, Werewolf by Night on Disney Plus, two thumbs up. Yes, yep. I am. I'm excited to watch that, especially because it's only 55 minutes. Yep. I feel like that's something I can just like, tack on at the end of the night um, and watch. You know, it's pretty great. Yeah. I feel like there's so much werewolf content this Halloween. Uh, every time I log on Letterboxd, somebody has logged some werewolf movie, uh, including I have up for me sometimes when we were watching The Wolfman for the annual movie challenge. I haven't watched mm-hmm. it yet. Um but yeah, Werewolves by Night. I saw somebody I follow on Letterboxd logged American Werewolf in, uh, I think London. in Paris. No, in London. London. Paris. Okay. In London, yeah. um, which was the first one. Um, I'm just looking through. There were there were a couple other. Uh, there was like one or two other werewolf movies that popped up on my uh, 
by watch on like people watching on Letterboxd. So I just feel like this is the like Halloween of werewolves for whatever yeah. reason. Uh, what we do in the shadows also has some good werewolf content in it. Werewolf uh, scarewolf. Yeah. Werewolves, not swearwolves. Yeah. Um, yeah, now I can't find it, of course. But uh, either way, um, yes, I will be watching The Wolfman. But that's not the best thing I watched this week because I have not yet watched that. Uh, so I don't know. That I, I am shocked that the best mm-hmm. thing I watched this week is going to be Dogtooth because I hated watching it. I hated the experience watching Dogtooth. That's what um, I've heard about it. <laughs> it is uh, like it's just such a weird movie it's, it's one of the early yorgos lanthimos i think it's his second feature film um okay. he did the favorite he did the lobster um yep. uh, killing a sacred deer which killing the sacred deer still is i think his most disturbing movie to me that is just like yep. one of those movies that i needed like i don't smoke cigarettes but i felt like i needed a cigarette after i watched it, it was so <laughs> stressful um dog tooth is just weird and i turned the movie off and i was like what the fuck did i just watch like, i mm-hmm. seriously was just like sat there and i was like i was so confused there were multiple scenes that i had to like watch through my fingers um oh no and if you've seen the movie you probably know one of them uh and then i just started thinking a little bit more about this movie i did listen to the unspooled podcast on it which i thought was pretty like it was interesting to hear their takes on it okay. uh, i talked to my brother about it a lot because he's he's a huge Yorgos Lanthimos fan mm-hmm. um and Yorgos is just a freak. Like he's this is a crazy dude. I do not know how he thought up this movie and created this movie. Um, it is one of those movies that I put up there with Synecdoche, New York, which is a movie I hated watching. And the further I've gotten away from it, the more I'm like, huh, you know, that was kind of interesting, like and creative, and unlike anything I've seen before. Right. So uh I would recommend this movie. I do not know if I would ever watch it again. I probably would not. Um, interesting. But it's just a strange strange movie yeah and uh i didn't watch so many movies this week so that's that, that wins for best thing i watched this week nice okay. well there you go um if you're at all intrigued by zach's description of dog teeth check it out um, yeah um <laughs> i probably will not <laughs> no i don't i don't think it's a brand new movie i was surprised yeah that the first thing i did when i finished watching the movie so I, you know of course i go on letterbox i log it mm. and i see that our, our former co-host av rated it four and a half stars Wow. And it is the least odd um, movie so I can easy. think of. And yeah. I was like, ah, oh. and I asked him, I said, and he was like, what, you didn't like the movie? And I was like, well, A, I just finished it and I don't think I did, which, you know, kind of mm. turned around on it. Um, but just, it, you know, if you remember back from when I was on this podcast, like, it's just not the type of movie that you would think no. I would be really into. No, not at all. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, I absolutely love The Favorite. I love Yargos Lathamos as a director. So. Yeah, I don't. Th- I mean, I don't think it's too graphic. Um, there's a couple mm-hmm. graphic scenes, but I don't think like you could handle it if, if mm-hmm. it ever comes down to you watching it. Okay. And yeah, you know, it's a uh, definitely interesting. That's for sure. Definitely interesting. Well, that's the type it has of something movie to say. That, uh, so. That's the type of movie that we like, right? I mean, we like movies that are interesting and add something to say. We like movies that are interesting. We like movies that aren't interesting. Um, <laughs> I think Poltergeist was interesting, though. I think Poltergeist was very interesting. Uh, and and more than being interesting, Poltergeist was so entertaining. Poltergeist uh, had a lot to say, too. Yes, about, yeah. Uh, about a lot of things. I think I was like, I haven't gone back and listened to my prediction for Poltergeist of okay. last, at the end of last podcast. But I remember I said some things about it being a commentary on TV. And, you know, of course, the mm-hmm. poster did help me out on that because we have a little girl sitting in front of the TV. Um, consumerism and reaganism death of, we even the death have of like, the american dream and the yeah. death of the like typical american family yeah yes so uh yes toby hooper's movie uh poltergeist from 1982 it's about a family who lives in a house in a new subdivision mm-hmm. that um 
the father played by Craig T. Nelson, his name's Steve. Um, I don't know. Was Steve ever even said in this movie? This is a couple of times, yeah. Okay. Steven um, or Steve, yeah. Yeah, so Steve sells the houses in the neighborhood. Um, and it's um, then some weird disturbances start happening, including a big storm. And uh, their daughter, uh, Carol Ann, disappears. The youngest daughter, Carol Ann, disappears one night. And they call in some ghost hunters. Um, and it's just, you know, the, the, house is, the house is haunted. And the house fights back multiple times. The house uh, fights back a lot. Nature fights back a lot against the development of this neighborhood and this family uh, moving into it. I mean, there's a lot. there's a lot that this movie has to say about, like, these like imminent domain of like land taken over to build these giant suburbs in the 80s that i really really like that commentary um you know it turns out that oh no they built this awesome subdivision on top of a graveyard and they didn't move the graveyard before building the subdivision all they did was move the tombstones so the ghosts are pissed. The ghosts are yes. real pissed, Zach. And they come at this family with vengeance because this was the first family to move in. And there's like and was a this little... the, Because he's the salesman. So they, I know like they, right. his boss takes him up to the hill where they're going to build the new subdivision. And there's another, right, right. There's another graveyard they're going to move. And he offers him the best house there. Right, exactly. And so there's were another... they the, since they were the first ones to move in, were they the ones who got the house that was on the cemetery land? I think so, yeah. They got the, the very first one. And I think the also the connection that makes them a more important family to the ghosts in this subdivision than any other, and why Carol Ann is able to connect with the ghosts and become sort of a specter for them and gets sucked into the for lack of a better term, the upside down. Yep, she gets yep, sucked yep. into the upside down of the ghost world. And there's a subtle line in that scene that you mentioned when they're going up the hill and talking about Steve's family and his teenage daughter and his 12-year-old son, Robbie, and his five-year-old daughter who was born in the house. Yes. Yep, I did write that and down so in my notes. that is what is at the crux of, like, why this creepy kid, Carol Ann, has this ethereal connection with the ghosts that live underneath and inside the house. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, um, and I did write that down as kind of a as a hint as yeah. well. Um, they do eventually get her out, um, yeah. and then the house attacks again. Um, and it yeah. actually was like, I was surprised because I wrote down intent. And, you know, that's what she said. Intense climax is what I wrote down in my notes. <laughs> but it was actually not the climax of the movie. It was the it was when they go in and they go into the closet with Tangina, um, who was hilarious. Tangina, Can what a great talk character. talk about Tangina? She is the best character in the movie. She's fantastic. Yeah. Like, um, uh, I, 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 apologies to the actress, but I just kept thinking of Danny DeVito. Like, I was yeah, like, is this Danny DeVito in costume? Like, she's uh, the great, um, played by the great Zelda Rubenstein. Um, yes. She's really fantastic. Um, that's the mo- that's actually the scene where they go to try to rescue Carol Ann from the closet is the scene that made me laugh out loud the hardest. Like I legitimately just the tangina like, of it all, or was no, there something? No, there is a specific line because I that like just had me cackling. So the climax of the movie is so they've managed to connect with Carol Ann on the other side, um, and they figured out a way to send someone 
through the other side and have them drop out the other side of the poltergeist hole into the living room below the ceiling, yes. the bedroom, into the living room through the ceiling below the, be- below the bedroom. And what they're going to do is send somebody in to grab Carol Ann and get through the portal. And this is just this. I cackled when this when this exchange happens. So Tangina is like, I'm going to go in. And Diana's like, no, let me do it. And Tangina goes, you've never done this before. And then Diana says in response, yeah, well, neither have you. And Tangina says, good point. You can go. Yep. <laughs> and I, I cackled, Zach. I cackled so loud. It was that so was a great that was a great line, and I do great. love the <laughs> role that Tangina plays as like this like yeah. televangelist. Like she comes into the house yeah. and um and, and Steve is not you know, Steve is like, I'm communicating with her in through my mind because he doesn't yeah. believe you know, he doesn't believe any of what she's doing. And, you know, as we're coming up on the election, like she is such like a she's like a Dr. Oz character. Right. Um, not she, a wizard like, of Oz character, Dr. Oz. She claims yes. to like have a spiritual plane connection. And it's like up for debate how connected she truly is mm-hmm. before this experience, I think. But I, mean, I don't think she, I don't think it's up for debate. I don't think she's I don't think she's connected at all. And I think that's the point, right? I think this is like you know, she's a Joel Osteen, you know, one of these like mega church people. A charlatan. Yeah. Yeah, charlatan, exactly. And then when the shit actually hits the fan and there actually is a portal and this mm-hmm. thing works, um, whatever she's doing is working. And maybe it's not even what she did, you know, I who knows what she did that actually caused it versus just like being in the room that caused mm-hmm. it. Then when push comes to shove, that line that made you laugh so long, I think is very telling that she's like, You're right, I've never done this before. I'm out. Like, you it's can like, go. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like, like when, when it's time to, to run into the house that's on fire and rescue right. the people, she actually bails and she's not going to do it. Yeah. And what, what it actually reminds me of, Zach, and I mean, this may even be a little early for this phenomenon in the 80s, but like, I remember this phenomenon being like a huge thing in the mid 80s to mid 90s during the era of like America's Most Wanted and Unsolved Mysteries where you would have these disappearances or murders mm-hmm. of children. And you would have these quote-unquote psychics who would come in and basically hustle the families and say, I know how to get your daughter or son back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know they're alive. I know they're not alive. I know where they are. I know where the body is. I know who the murderer is. They would come in and do all these things and manipulate the situation for publicity and that's like something that was such a huge phenomenon in the mid 80s to mid 90s yeah i'm thinking of like the psychic wasn't there like a sylvia like sylvia something who was a psychic who wrote all those books about being a psychic and communicating with ghosts yeah it really is like like tangina it really is that um that psychic character says i can connect you with the dead um Sort of like, um, and you know, I'm sure this movie will come up later, but I was reminded of the beginning of Ghostbusters with Bill Murray's character. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know where um, where he's he's running these scams on the mm-hmm. um, on the on the university experiments. For the world's example. definitely going to end on February 14th, 2012, mm-hmm. Valentine's Day. Bummer. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and um, I do think like. Yeah. You know, you said this movie has a lot to say, and I 
I think there is a ton of commentary on this. I mean, Absolutely. the movie opens, the opening of the movie. Once again, we open on a movie that is opening on a TV screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, again, and a, this one is playing the Star Spangled Banner. Yes. Which back in back in the 80s and the 90s, yeah. when, you know, when it would hit, you know, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., right. whatever the, I think this was 2 a.m., when, you know, the networks would go off the air for a few hours, yep. they would end with the Star Spangled Banner. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah so I late at night, everybody's passed no out. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that a couple times as a kid, but okay. not much. Um, where you, you know, it was really the like the phenomenon was that you would fall asleep on the couch and you would wake right. up and the Star Spangled Banner would be playing. Um, and so yes, yeah, so, so we open with the Star Spangled Banner. We open with the TV, which we, mm. you know, we get to connections. We'll talk all about that, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you know, and then we're just seeing everybody like a creepy view of the house. We're seeing a, a dog that is acting very yes, much like dog. an alien right mm -hmm. like or a ghost like in the house like going from room to room jumping into one of you know to dana's bed and mm -hmm. uh taking the chips out of her bed that uh you don't want to fall asleep eating chips that's just because we're robbie's chips with robbie's chips okay yeah, yeah. They're robbie's chips the um nice lays product placement there yes uh and so much not just product placement but media placement in the yep in, like um, as we're going through the house we're seeing movie posters and it's it's a treasure trove if you're trying to think of movies to we're connect seeing to from so this. much star wars merchandise in this yeah. freaking house um i mean i was gonna save this for one more thing but i don't think i will but i had both those star wars bed sheets did you and okay over Robbie's bed is this giant Darth Vader helmet torso. Mm -hmm. That is a legitimate 1980s Star Wars action figure carrying case. Mm -hmm. I still have mine on my bookshelf behind. Oh man! Oh, this is this from is the creepy. 1980s. Yeah, it's and it's filled with all my figures, and it's great. And it's yeah. yeah. So yeah. he has the same one. Mine doesn't have the um, stickers that made the eyes glow red anymore mm -hmm. those fell off like years ago but it's still this it's the same exact carrying case and so you know if we wanted to go to star wars there's plenty of star wars in this movie well and not just that i mean i noticed a ton of like action figures there's a tauntaun yep. uh luke on the tauntaun like lots of mostly empire strikes back specific time oh, yeah i saw mm -hmm. a lot of tattooing i saw a lot of yeah know, um this is two years after empire drops, yes lots so. of empire stuff um i did notice uh the blaster at one mm -hmm. point um didn't see any lightsabers but i just see the blaster it's um, a Han Solo kid. Yeah, and then I mean, but then not just that, but all the different posters on the wall as well yeah. was it, again a treasure trove of potential movies. I mean, we had the Alien poster um, yeah. on the wall, which you know, just jumping ahead to suggestions, but like uh, Alien was also uh, uh, the music was composed by Jerry Goldsmith. So yeah. if we did the Jerry Goldsmith trilogy next week, and we did Alien, that yeah. could be an option. Uh, we, uh, you know, to really stick with the uh, Disney of it all, way before these properties were all owned by Disney, we see Captain America comic. A yep. Mickey Mouse book, and then all this Star Wars. We're seeing all the different Disney properties represented. Yep. Uh, good job, Kathleen Kennedy, who was a producer. The House of Mouse. Yeah. Yeah. The House of Mouse, indeed. Um, the House of Geist. And uh, and I'm trying to think what else. Uh, we have the the bird is called Tweety Bird. Um, yeah. That's all Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yes. So um, we have Mr. Rogers. We have um, all of these different sports teams as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I was confused. Above Robbie's bed, there's a Super Bowl poster with Garfield yeah. on it. Yes. But it says 1988 Super Bowl. This movie takes place in 1982. I was yeah. really confused by it's that. It's 1982. Poster. Yeah, it's yeah. But the poster, I paused it. That poster says 1988 Super Bowl. That is weird. Yeah. Maybe it's well, I know like Garfield used to have those like sports comic books mm -hmm. that were like 
you know, so maybe it's a Garfield thing. I don't know. Yeah, I wondered if it was like a, you know, Robbie the kid, and it was like Robbie will be. It's like a in the future you will be in the Super Bowl or something. And it wasn't 1978. No, I, I mean, I paused it and checked, and I mean, I didn't pause it for. Yeah, okay. So I just googled. I, I put a 1988 Super Bowl poster space, and the first Google result is Poltergeist. And oh, so interesting. There's a, yeah. Why was there a 1988 Super Bowl poster in the 1982 movie Poltergeist? Has anybody in the movie ever explained it? Um, and uh, as far as I know, no one involved in this film has ever explained it. Uh, the presence of the poster and the lack of explanation has led to it becoming part of the legendary Poltergeist curse, oh. uh, which I know you brought up. Yes. Um, uh, well, we can bring that up. Um, yes. Yeah, the Poltergeist curse is basically this really tragic... It's basically a conglomeration of a bunch of tragic and mysterious deaths surrounding the cast and crew of this film. Um, the actress... Uh, let me go to the page, actually. Let me... Uh, do, 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 do. The actress Dominique Dunn was... Who plays Dana. Who plays Dana. Was murdered um, in the driveway of her home in 1982 after this movie came out um by her estranged boyfriend um the actress uh heather o'rourke who plays uh carol ann died of a mysterious and rare medical condition in 1988 when she was so that's actually referenced on this page about that 1988 super bowl poster is that that's actually something that people point to as one of the weird occurrences that it says 1988 Super Bowl and she actually dies uh, in uh, on February 1st, 1988, the day, the day after been, the day yeah. after the Super Bowl. Yeah, which is pretty wild. Um, there, uh, this one is tangentially connected. I don't. I mean, this is a this is a grasping at straws one. But another actor in the film was killed in 2009 by a axe wielding maniac mm-hmm. in outside of his Texas home. Um, there were lots of crew accidents during the filming, um, mostly surrounding the pool and the tree stunts. Um, supposedly, part of what they think spawned the curse is that Steven Spielberg, to save on production costs, used real skeletons from nearby medical yes. school. So that was something that I actually so that skeletons. randomly that I randomly popped. Given this was done by ILM, I don't know how true that would be. Uh, yes, so as I was starting to say, that actually randomly popped mm-hmm. up in my Facebook feed this week. Yeah. Uh, There's a Slash Film post about it, and I saved it, and I, w- I wasn't sure if you were going to have that. But um, Slash Film said real human skeletons were used for the swimming pool scene, which Joe Beth Williams didn't know about until yep. after the scene was finished. Exactly, yeah. I don't know how true that is. I mean, that seems pretty effed up. Um, a, Like, I, I don't know how much you would really save on production costs. Where you would get that many skeletons, um, maybe I don't want to know. <laughs> but I mean, ILM was making enough money at the time that they could have made their own skeleton props, right? I mean, I don't, yeah, you I don't think. You would yeah. think. Um, okay. No, what, and what I actually really liked about this movie is mm-hmm. um, I thought the effects aged really, really well. I thought like, so too. It's it does not look like a movie that was made forty years ago. Yeah. Um, and oh man, it is I, the 40th anniversary. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, yeah. June. So this movie came out June 4th, 1982. My mom's birthday, not her, not her year, but her, the date of birth, mm-hmm. uh, day of birth. Um, and 
you know, this, you know, does not look like it's 40 years old. Like there's, there's a point where they enter the bedroom and there's, you know, things blowing Shit around. And, everywhere. Yeah. And, and then and that does look a little bit animated, um, but not so bad. I mean, not what you would expect from the movie in the 80s. And a lot of the, the rest of this movie, especially the way the movie is lit, like when the lightning is striking, you're seeing the shadows coming through the window and the tree that attacks the house and the way that the house starts to attack the family. Yeah. It looks really good. I mean, I mean, they used I a full, they used a full wind machine in that room mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. all those effects in the bedroom of everything flying around. Um, what what blew my mind looking at some of the research for this was that they um let young actress Heather O'Rourke, who was only like five or six years old at the time, mm-hmm. do the stunt where she's hanging by the baseboard. And, like, being blown towards the door by the... Sucked in towards the closet door by the poltergeist. Mm-hmm. And, like, apparently it, like, seriously scared the shit out of this kid. I'm and, sure. like, it took her two days to recover and come back to the set. <laughs> like, Steven Spielberg felt like an asshole, basically. You know? Um, I I mean, I was shocked that they wouldn't have figured out how to do some sort of stunt performer for that part. Because mm-hmm. um, that's pretty messed up. To make yeah. a six, five or six year old kid do that, mm-hmm. you know. And was um, this during? Was that that was during the second big attack on the house? Then? Yeah. Okay. No, the, no, the first one when all the toys and everything are getting sucked in, and everybody's outside with Robbie mm-hmm. and the tree, and she's in the bedroom getting sucked. Oh, okay, sucked yes. So the that's the the yeah. when she initially disappears. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, because there are the I guess tree. there's like three. There's kind mm-hmm. of three big house attacks, right? There's yes. that one. There's the one where Tanya is there, um, or Tangina is there, and they they rescue Carol Ann, which Mm -hmm. I thought was the big climax of the movie, and then the house attacks one more time when Steve is gone, and Steve comes home, um, and is able to to get, you know, they're able to get away at the last minute. Just to hammer home, like, the, like, awkward family dynamics of that family, where, like, the house seems to sense that, like, Steve and Dana are not there. And the like the kids are vulnerable, and that they can like the house can like come back to life and attack them. I mean, mm. my question was like, so they already had the big attack with the tree and Tangina and everything. Like, why why are you still like risking one more night in the house to begin with? Yes, I, I wrote mean, that down too. That's my biggest movie nitpick, like yeah. of any of these types of movies. But it's also very typical for these types of movies. Where you're like, these people always spend one more night in the creepy house than they should. Well, and they were going to leave that night, right? They had moved everything out, and Steve says that he's just going to go back to the office and quit his job, which apparently it takes him until it's 11 o'clock at night to quit the job. Um, Instead of being like, wait a second, my, you know, maybe this is a commentary, maybe this is a commentary on like work culture, right? That this guy is, is, uh, you know, a slave to his job and, even when his daughter disappears and his family is kind of unraveling because of the, and his house is unraveling mm. that he still needs to go into work until late in, you know, late in the midnight hour until he can come back um, right. to, to rescue his and, family. And the boss is the one who drives him home too, which is the weird part. Like if he's mm-hmm. going to quit his job, why is his boss giving him a ride home? Yeah. Mr. Teague. Uh, I, I was very glad to see Mr. Teague die at the end of the movie. Oh, that was, that was cool. Yeah. Um, and because uh, he right because the house explodes and and explodes mm-hmm. all over him and I, I felt bad for the neighbors I don't think the neighbors did anything wrong the neighbors didn't all deserve to die but they also didn't help when 
Diana's outside screaming for them to come oh, in yeah. and help with Carol Ann. They were just gawkers. Yeah. They just gawked and with their little umbrella. And mm-hmm. they were like, no, we can't go in. True. Well, and yeah. and we do get, you know, like, I think there's a, you know, we can talk about the TV stuff too, but, yeah. you know, that we do have the whole thing where that neighbor early in the movie, he keeps changing the remote. And I think this is the scariest part of the movie. Can you imagine if your neighbor could change your TV and you're uh, watching something and your neighbor changes something on their Roku and all of a sudden your yep. TV changes? Um, Terrible. So in our house growing up, we had the exact same TVs in the living room and my mom's bedroom. Mm-hmm. So as a practical joke, my siblings and I used to go down the hall outside my mom's door with the TV remote for the living room TV. Like if we knew she was in a room like watching TV, we would stand outside the door and start changing the channel on her. Oh, man. It was like the great, greatest practical joke. And she would get so upset. Like, she'd be like, stop it, stop it. <laughs> I'm trying to watch whatever she was trying to watch, you know, yeah. like Price is Right or whatever. Like, so great, so let's, let's talk about joke. the, uh, yeah, the TV. So, yeah. you know, so much revolves around the TV in this yep. movie, right? We do get early on, they're watching the Rams game, which is when the neighbor is changing the channel. And then, uh, yep. you know, we change from, from football to Mr. Rogers. Yep. Um, which, you know, again, if you're trying to think of movies to connect to from this movie, you've got uh, Mr. Rogers potential. One day in the neighborhood, bro. Yeah. Or uh or the other one. Um Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? Yes, thank yep. you. Um and um, you know, and then and then you know, they're they're often falling asleep watching TV. Yep. There is a, a some movie and I didn't well I wasn't it's, able to pull it. It's a Spencer Tracy watching. movie and I couldn't clock it and I forgot okay. to look it up last night. It yeah, was a Spencer Tracy funny. war movie um that he's watching while he's reading the book about Reagan, Rocking the Reagan. great American president. It's like, yes. and while um while his wife, while while uh, Mrs. Freeling, uh, Diane, smoking pot, yeah. smoking pot, and reading Carl Jung, who's a psychologist, yeah. and trying to figure out why Carol Ann is is acting so strange. Yeah. Um, but uh, and you know, and it's not just watching things on TV, but it's being mm-hmm. videotaped, right? So then, once Carol Ann disappears. We're not, you know, we're still seeing monitors and we're seeing that, you know, we're seeing versions of TV, but we're seeing that video camera on somebody's shoulder in the background of almost every shot. Yep. So it's, you know, I really like that, you know, this movie is is consistently until the very end trying to make a commentary on television. Absolutely. Now, I and do the way think... we use television to like portray a certain type of aspect of our lives for sure the way yeah the way we and it's like very ahead of its time in that sense and that you know we talked a lot about the star wars characters alien garfield like tweety bird like all of these television characters that are represented in other Mm -hmm. ways right in merchandising and um you know i didn't notice anybody had like any t-shirts that had tv characters on um but just the way that that tv and like this this movie throughout you know like a lot of uh, a lot of 80s movies is commenting on that kind of consumerism and TV culture. Um, so, and, and the last shot of the movie, they, right? They get to the Holiday Inn, they've yeah. escaped the house, and it kind of ends on a comedic uh, comedic note where, where Steve goes into the room and he unhooks the TV and puts it outside. Pulls the TV the, card out. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's great. I felt like that was a funny way to end. Yeah. I don't know how appropriate it felt for this movie. I thought it was fine. I thought it. I thought it was like the way that you would expect this movie to end after like everything this family had been through. I mean, I just don't know why Steve is blaming the TV at that point. I I get from no, he watching just doesn't this... want like the haunting to come through the TV. Right, know? but why he does he like, think because the the, the, the because the kids are already traumatized by everything that happened. 
But the haunting like, doesn't. It, like we, I know the haunting starts point, with the TV though. It does start with the TV. Yeah. I guess the poltergeist, like the alien, because she's the, talking uh, to ghosts. the people through the TV, and that's yeah. the very first instance of the haunting. Right. So, the, you know. And the ghost comes through the TV, although they're asleep. They don't see the ghost well, coming through the you TV. You have to think about it. It's also a commentary on, like, the way society started to blame TV for all the ill wills mm. of of children. Yeah, there like, you go. Like, the, the increase in, like, violence and drug use and profanity and all the, thi- all the things that the alt-right Christian group started complaining about their first thing that they started blaming was TV and video games. Mm-hmm. You know, and not, I mean, you know, there was Dungeons and Dragons and all that, but there was also TV, movies, video games, like all of the media stuff that mm-hmm. they could blame all of this, like, you know, this is ruining our children. You know, that's profanity, smut, and all these things on TV that are rotting our children's minds, you know? I do think that's actually really smart because mm-hmm. Carol Ann is in the car is in the closet right she's in the home right. and that the home is what's haunted it's not the tv that's haunted so it's right. actually like the home and the family values that might be causing these problems and it's not this external tv there you go that's actually causing yeah so all right yep. so i think we unlocked something a little i bit. mean I, I think we also you know are hitting on like this is another steven spielberg low-key movie about divorce mm-hmm. because when you look at this family unit you have steve and diana who Steve is much older than Diana. Craig T. Nelson is older than Joe Beth Williams, mm-hmm. significantly. He are, but he already has a teenage daughter who's like 16. So we can infer from that that he that Dana must be a daughter from a previous ma- marriage. Okay. Unless she was like 15 years old when she gave birth to Dana. So that's really interesting because I felt like Dana throughout the movie was kind of the like odd one out right dana's right. missing exactly. for a lot of the movie like they don't even really and diana never seems to care about dana yeah they never really comment on like the fact that Di- yeah like dana dana's gone and like there's all these tragic and, and traumatic things going on and dana's just not there and dana does have um they're talking about the holiday Inn, i think or yeah. some hotel and dana references it and diana diane says wait you like you know that hotel and she's like oh i was mm-hmm. there once and she seems very confused by that. And it was an odd line in the movie. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's just that that she just doesn't know her daughter that much. Um, and right. we never really know. Like, we don't know who her daughter's hanging out with. She's on right. the phone with somebody throughout the movie. And then, like, she is gone for a significant yeah, portion we, of this movie. She's gone at the scene at the very end. And, like, we don't, we don't even get to meet the boyfriend who drives her up at the end of the movie when she has to get in the station wagon and drive off. With the family, like, I wasn't even sure she made it into the station wagon until the closing mm-hmm. moments because she's standing there and they're, like, drive. That That's the other part where I was like, okay, Dana is obviously not Diana's kid because Diana is screaming in the car before Di- Di- Dana can get in when the house is starting to explode. Drive, drive, just go. Mm-hmm. While Dana is, like, screaming in the street. Mm-hmm. So, like, Diana was perfectly willing to just leave Dana there in the street. Mm-hmm. So they could get away. So, um, and you know, you reference that this is another Spielberg movie about divorce. So I think, mm-hmm. like, you know, the especially the first half hour of this movie yeah. reminded me so much of like Parallel Universe ET. Yeah. And I was like, oh, sure. this was like, you know, Spielberg didn't direct this, but he produced this, he wrote this. Mm-hmm. This was kind of a warm up to ET, right? ET came out, you know, a year or two later. No, uh, ET came mm-hmm. out uh, a week later. ET came out June 11th. 
1982. Poltergeist was June 4th, 1982. Yeah, uh, uh, Spielberg was working on E.T. while this movie was being made. Um, both both special effects for both films were being worked on at ILM at the same time. Um, in fact, it goes so deep that Drew Barrymore and Heather O'Rourke both auditioned for E.T. and Poltergeist, and it was a matter of which one Spielberg chose to slot into which movie. Mm. And he thought that um that Drew Barrymore wasn't angelic enough for like the spookiness that needed to be in Carol Ann in um <clears throat> sorry in in Poltergeist. Yeah. But he thought she was a great fit for ET. So yeah. um and I, I think I think this casting was great. I really I thought mm-hmm. like I I don't know how Heather O'Rourke like that, how that Carol Ann character like what it would be like to have her as a daughter all the time because she's so damn creepy. Kids but, are creepy, dude. But that's the thing. Kids are creepy. Kids yeah, I guess we're seeing that after the last creepy. two. Yeah, yeah, after the last two weeks for yeah. sure. Same age as Damien too. Yeah. Um. But uh oh yeah same well that's a good that's a good connection. Good connection. Yeah. Um. What about the sequels? Have you seen the Poltergeist sequels? I have. Um, that was something I talked about um, a little bit offline with you. Is that um, I couldn't remember which stunts happened in which movie because I had mm-hmm. seen all three when I was a kid. Two and three used to be on HBO all the freaking time. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple specific horror things that happen in two and three that are like burned into my memory that I, like, forgot until we watched this last night that don't happen in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I they're definitely not as good, but they have some of the more visceral visuals than this one does. Yeah. You know? um, and, you know, just to jump a little bit forward to connections, but the um, kind of the pattern for these movies, mm-hmm. so Poltergeist had the original, um, yep. in, as did the, you know, The Omen was in the 70s, Poltergeist in the 80s, and then had a couple sequels, um, and then had a remake in yep. the in the 2000s. So the Poltergeist remake was in 2015. Um, Starring Sam Rockwell. Um, oh don't yeah, think Sam we'll Rockwell. Be going to that, but um, I do love uh, no, Sam Rockwell. Very bad scores on on Butterbox. Uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I just thought you know I thought that like these movies are sort of like the trajectory that they take, and I guess a lot of horror movies, right? A lot a lot of these older horror movies, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for example, had sequels and then re, you know remake upon remake that have happened sure. um same with halloween too so uh, all right let's see what else do i want to talk about that we've got um did you notice that when the room is like spinning the the wind machine yeah. room we're getting kind of the cartoon you know different items mm-hmm. flying at them most of the posters have been ripped off the wall mm-hmm. but i did notice that that darth vader poster and the alien poster are both still on the wall do you think there's that, a significance to those two being uh, the two that are there? Just like these are these are you know bad guy things. Like I mean, it's a poster of Darth Vader. It's evil. Right. It's a poster of Alien. Alien is evil, evil spirit, evil creature. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's I think it's definitely symbolic of like right. that. It's just and like, like Garfield is gone. I think yeah. that there was a um, Sesame Street poster yeah. as well. Like the Mickey Mouse stuff, like Captain America, like all of those things are gone. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what about, um, you know, we did talk about, you know, I said there weren't really jump scares. I guess there is actually one jump scare that sticks out from my notes, and that's the um, the chicken that, uh, you know, one, oh. of the, one of the ghost hunters is eating, 
and all of a sudden he, oh, he no, drops no, no, it no. and it's That's covered. Oh, no, 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 that's a steak. In... That is a full-ass Well, there's steak, a steak, right? but he's also eating okay. a piece of chicken. Yes, there's the yeah. steak that, like, has the the animation. It starts exploding from inside. Yeah, yeah it's But correct. as that happens, he's eating a piece of chicken, and he drops yeah. the chicken because of the steak exploding, and there's yeah. maggots all over the chicken. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he goes and, and then his, he's... Yeah. His face starts melting. It's, yeah, in the classic uh, Indiana Jones style face melt. Yeah, it's yeah. great. But that didn't actually happen because then all of a sudden no. his face is Yeah, haunted. he was, yeah, it was, a, that's him being haunted. Yes. Um, um, yeah. What did you think of our titular three ghost hunters? Um, I kind of forgot that they were even in this movie. Like, yeah. I, I was like, oh, I thought this was just about the family and then Zelda comes in. But I kind of forgot that there was this whole thing with these three ghost hunters that they go to who come to the house first and are like starting like actually like believe the family that there's something going on with the house like the lack of skepticism kind of threw mm -hmm. me off yeah you know um I, mean? I, I really i actually thought that they worked really well as a team together mm -hmm. um you know so dr lesh is the kind of the head of the team and she reminded me a lot of um i'm blanking her name she's in she's the uh, ellen burston like okay. I she looks a lot like Ellen Burstyn. I can see um, that. Like an older, you know, when Ellen Burstyn gets older. Um, and then the two other guys, and I don't have what their names were right in front of me. I think Jeff was one of them. Um, and, yeah, I don't remember what. Um, uh, Richard know. Lawson as uh, Ryan was the other one. Okay, Richard the Lawson. The cameraman, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought they were good. And, and you know, like, I, I really like the role that Richard Lawson plays. I thought he was really good. I was surprised that he didn't end up being a bigger star. He kind of just seemed very charismatic on screen but he's he's always kind of behind he's that cameraman he's always filming yeah. things and he's then like the production guy he's sitting at the um he's sitting at the monitors watching what's going on he's the one who's pulling the rope through yep. the ceiling as well yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff too richard lawson um he's sort of a that guy from the 70s 80s mm -hmm. um but he's he did a bunch of tv stuff in the 90s mm-hmm um, I believe he was on one of the police procedurals from the nineties. Was he on was he on homicide, maybe? Okay. I think he so might have been on a homicide right on the street. Yeah. yeah. Um no, I, I yeah, I, I like the team and I you know, I like that they're kind of um it reminds me of what we get in other movies where you get like the first group of people trying to solve the problem and then they bring in they know somebody who's mm -hmm. like the expert, almost like in Breaking Bad, right? Where uh Walt is working with with uh, Saul Goodman, and then Saul Goodman mm -hmm. is like, actually, we should bring in this guy, Mike. And then Mike is like, hey, we know Gus. Like, they're like, it's like and one Mike thing leads to another. It did sort of remind <laughs> me of like you're working with one group, and they're like, actually, we need to bring in a specialist, almost like a doctor would bring right. in a specialist too. Um, so yeah, I thought that they were really good. Um, and and Tangina, hilarious, just what oh, a good character. Yeah. I had no idea she was going to show up, and then all of a sudden she shows up, and she's so small, like she's her stature, she's so short. But the way that she talks with such gusto, like she's so confident and she is like, you could tell that she's the type yeah. of person who would be filmed on TV. And when you're seeing her on TV and in ads and things like that, you have no, speaking of Saul Goodman, you have no idea kind of like what's behind this character that she's putting on. Right. Yeah. And she even gets like her big TV moment after Carol Ann gets rescued from the portal where <laughs> she gets to look right into the camera and like muss her hair and go, this house is clean. Yes, Which is like yes. the other big, um, the big, the big line from this, along with they're mm. here. Um, that gets parodied so much. What about answer your parents? You're gonna get a spanking. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. No. I, um. And and you know, I I think this is also like I was 
thinking as I was watching this, like this is a very iconic movie house. Yeah, um, I was absolutely. thinking about um, Parasite as another yeah. one, and um, you have like the but, Amityville Horror House. You have yeah, like, but I mean, I don't even mean like a hotel, house that like, plays like a role in the movie because it definitely yeah. does. You know, it is the house that's haunted, the Beetlejuice house, but just like a very unique looking house. It's got that spiral staircase leading up to the upstairs. That's like right in the middle of the living room, like. It has the the pool that they're building outside mm. that is just a muddy pool. Like it's a yeah. big muddy it hasn't hole been in the ground. Yet. Yeah. yeah. It hasn't been completed and it's they're getting this rainstorm. And I love that, you know, early in the movie they're talking about all these plans for the pool. They're gonna put a diving board mm. and um, you know, that we get uh, you know, we get Steve joking about all the different dives that he's gonna do. But right. then later in the movie, the the pool is actually like a nightmare where it's just this yeah. like, filthy, muddy pit that that uh that Diane like runs and falls into and then is attacked by the ghosts. So yeah, it's uh-oh. the um it's sort of the destruction of the illusion of the perfect suburbia. Like there's no such thing as the perfect family home. Yes. You know what I mean? uh, like, yeah. uh, there are a couple movies that this ties very nicely to that we've yeah. done. Um one, you know, this wasn't last year, but Beetlejuice, I think if we did a Beetle movie map back time. to be to to uh, season one, Beetlejuice is a very, very good connection to this. Yeah, I mean, to to step on our movie map, I think, um, you know, Edward Scissorhands is another commentary on like something, something coming in from the outside that scares people away from like their their um, utopian suburbia. And you yeah, know Edward I mean? Scissorhands, what it, what Edward Scissorhands does is it takes these like seemingly normal looking like suburban houses and exactly. lifestyles. And turns them into nightmare fuel, yep, which is the exactly. same thing. This movie exactly. takes a spiral staircase and turns it into nightmare fuel. It takes a TV that's staticky and and, and uh, has all this light coming off of it and, and makes something that's ghosts come out terrifying. Of it. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, freaking, and something I have. I like, really love the um, visualization of like the poltergeists themselves, like mm-hmm. the ethereal, white, angelic, where they they sort of look like they could be friendly ghosts at first until they change. Mm-hmm. Like it's very like the same sort of effect that as we talked about gets up gets end up ends up getting used in movies like Ghostbusters later on in the eighties and and but, in Alien too. And in Alien, I mean, yeah. you know, Alien the you know the the chestburster and things like right, that. Like right, it right. doesn't look like it necessarily is uh is gonna bring you harm. But yeah, right. no, there are, and there are so many different visualizations of different types of ghosts in this. Um, right. And I think the one that will stick with me, obviously, is the big one that comes out of the bedroom at the end. Yeah. The big white, like, almost looks like a, like a big grasshopper almost or sure. something like that. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, what I wanted to talk about real quick, and, mm-hmm. you know, this is, we're just kind of stepping all over things. But I do think that my um, my hero of the movie is going to be Matthew Leonati. Um, and he's the okay. cinematographer of this movie. Nice. Because I love the way that light and shadows play the visuals in this movie. And okay. I think, like... The light coming off the TV, the light coming through the windows, the lightning that comes through, the the light when they're being attacked in the house, like just the the light and the shadows throughout this movie. I was really astounded by that, and I I was like, oh, this must be some really good cinematographer, you know, probably somebody who worked on Alien and the Thing, and you know, like who's worked with Carpenter and who's worked with a lot of these directors. Yeah. And I clicked on his um, filmography, and he's done some stuff, um, you know, something that's going to pop up on my list, but like nothing that is, you know, is, like too fast, too genre, furious, yeah. Butterfly Effect, Dawn of the Dead, you know, like just Commando. Yeah. Yeah. Like not anything that I feel like what he showed in this, and maybe that's Toby Hooper's um, direction more than his cinematography. 
so you know it's my hero of the movie is more like just the visuals of this movie but um it's good you know i just think like i i was I, I, the movie starts with a warning that says you know if, if you're affected by strobe lights if you're epileptic well, I don't watch this movie and mm-hmm. i was like I, I i wonder you know i i didn't really think too much about it when i saw it and then as i'm watching the movie i'm like oh wow if you are epileptic like this movie you're, does you have a lot this. of strobe effects in it there's it's and a lot of it is even just from the beginning with the staticky tv flashing mm-hmm. flashing flashing yeah um yeah i yeah i really think the visual effects we haven't even really talked about the spooky tree that eats ravi yes halfway through um, this movie yeah the really creepy um, looking tree so there's a lightning storm at the beginning of the movie that's like a giant lightning thunderstorm and Robbie is really scared of the tree that's outside his window because there is a deformed limb that basically looks like it has a face on it mm-hmm. yeah and the tree is like staring at him um you know he, he could just close the curtains but whatever but the tree comes through the window and like attacks Robbie and like this isn't like a like what a lot of these movies it would be like a dream effect but in poltergeist he legit gets pulled out of his bedroom window and gets starts getting sucked into the tree that is fucking terrifying Mm -hmm. on any level like and they they um even go so far as to like throughout the rest of the movie after he gets rescued by steve and diane he's got like a broken nose for the Mm -hmm. rest of the movie from getting his face mangled by this tree Mm-hmm. Like I mean, the, the, there's like a lot of these types of movies like will have set pieces like this, but then you don't feel or see the after effect consequences on the characters between set pieces. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you won't physically see the effects, but this one, like you feel both the physical and mental effects that this spooky ooky house is having on them throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's very consistent in that. Yeah. Um, even things like the coffee pot that's moving across the t- like the table yeah. and you know the the chairs that are all suddenly on top of the table, just the different yeah. ways that the, the ghosts are making themselves again, like like in Beetlejuice, right? Mm-hmm. In Beetlejuice, we have the ghosts that are doing the different things to make the house look haunted. Right. Um and in the, the humans, the, the living cannot see them in the house. Right. Um I uh I did wonder throughout the movie, like the dog sort of comes and goes. Yeah, and I wondered if like maybe the dog is haunted by these ghosts as well. Like I just I was so just seemed like well, the dog was not there for Song of the Moon, and the dog shows up at the very end. Um, and, there is one specific point where in the movie where the dog starts barking in the bedroom the day after they see the spooky things come out of the TV, mm-hmm. and it got me thinking. I actually wrote this down. Like some people say that like dogs and cats can see things that humans can't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's, well, and there's no can, way they, to... They say, like, dogs can smell fear, right? Right, and, but there's also, like, no way to prove scientifically, like, how dogs see the world, how cats see the world, like, if it's mm-hmm. the same way humans do. And so that leads to a lot of theorizing of, like, dogs and cats can maybe see other planes of existence. Mm-hmm. Like, things things on a spectrum that humans can't. Yeah. The dog so, was barking at the wall, right? And, and the right ceiling, where the, yeah. Right where the, yeah, and the ceiling, and the ceiling. yeah. 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 Um, I did like when Diane is like going on the wall and on the ceiling, like all over oh, the yeah. place, like where she's like, yeah, no, no, where no, she's she, being haunted. Yeah, it's like, um, mm. I, I I thought like the you know things really go off the rails both times. The house is really really haunted. Yeah. Um, and so I do feel like like we 
during that point, I feel like we lost the thread a little bit in terms of like the commentary this movie was mm-hmm. making and some of the some of the really smart things that were in this movie. Um, you know, when we get that back at the end, but we do have like just kind of our big like for lack of a better term, like our big battle scenes at the end. Yeah. Humans are battling the ghosts. Um I wrote down in my notes, Good night, lady. And I don't remember who said it, but I remember thinking it was really weird that like was one of the was it that the that Diane said goodnight to Carol Ann or one of the kids? Mm. And I think it was Carol Ann, and Carol Ann responded and said, Good night, lady. Did you notice that? No, um, I didn't notice that at all. Yeah. <laughs> weird. Um, and maybe that goes back to your idea that uh Diane isn't necessarily all of their mothers. Maybe it was Dana right. who said it. Um I, I I wish I could remember who actually said goodnight, lady. I took okay. very, very bad notes when I put that on. Great. So uh, all right. Uh, anything right. else that you want to get to um, before uh, we get to the feedback? I have a question for you while you're looking at your notes. Hit me. Uh, all right. So you've watched all of Stranger Things. I haven't seen the last yeah. season. Um, obviously, the Upside Down is, you know, is a taken reference to this. Uh, are there other things in Stranger Things that um, that I wouldn't have noticed because I hadn't seen Poltergeist um, or other ways that you could see that it's connected to Stranger most, Things? Most specifically, it's the first season of Stranger Things with everything with uh, one of the kids, if you've never seen Stranger Things, being stuck in what what's basically an upside-down evil dimension. Mm-hmm. And his mom can hear him and see him because they communicate through the lights in the house. Mm-hmm. And so that specifically is you know, taken from this movie and put into Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, but in a in a really cool way. Um, I mean, it does it really well. I never made that connection until I watched this movie, and mm. I had never really heard anybody else make that connection either. Yeah. So. Um, well, because we never see that dimension, right? Besides the, right. like, we light never that really we did, see. Yeah. yeah, the light that we see in the closet. But um, um, we don't see what that dimension is. In this I movie. will say that there is a very specific and significant use of rope to pull someone from one dimension into another in stranger things i won't tell mm-hmm. you when where or how oh, but right, cool. the use the of the rope from the bedroom through the dimension down the ceiling into the living room pretty much is used in the same exact way in stranger things mm-hmm. mm. so interesting yeah. that that actually that's a good one yeah yeah um yeah, I uh, and I just give want to give another shout out to that creepy ass clown. Like, oh yeah, the, oh that was another one I had written down as far as the curse goes. Um, during the filming of that scene where the clown has Robbie under the bed, apparently like he started saying, "I can't breathe, I can't breathe," mm-hmm. and Toby Hooper thought he was just improvising until his face started to turn purple, and he oh, really man. was being choked out by the clown, and they had to like buy the prop. And they mm-hmm. had to like stop production. So like all sorts of like crazy, awful stuff around the production of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's. Uh, why don't yeah. we get to uh, feedback? See what ha- see what people had to say. Uh, who were able to find this? I know uh, Megan Librarian said she was not able to find this one streaming. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, uh, it should be streaming. Poltergeist. Uh, I think this is like this. You know, I. I I'm kind of hit and miss on on horror movies, but I thought this was just like top to bottom one of one of my it's favorite. It's a modern classic horror movie seen. for sure. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how modern it is anymore. It's 40 years old, but yeah, that's also true. We're right. we're not modern. No, we are not postmodern. <laughs> All right, we'll start with Jenny. Uh, Jenny says this was the first scary movie I saw as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene where the guy tears off his face still makes appearances in my nightmares to this day. At the time, the plot was original, and the writing really kept you guessing. 
Mm-hmm. My only drawback is Craig T. Nelson. I've always hated him, and I don't know why. His face makes me want to punch it, and I'm not a violent person. I also think the pot smoking in this movie is completely unnecessary and adds nothing to the story. Uh, would she be more concerned if she weren't high? Doubtful. So yeah. three point five stars from Jenny. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, we didn't really talk much about Craig T. Nelson. What do you think? We talk about him? really anybody in this any of the cast. What do you think of him as a leading man for this movie? I think he's like fine as your '80s suburban dad. I think um, so too. Yeah. I think so too. And, and that's that's. There's going to be some connections in my connections that are going to, yeah. And I, I thought Joe Beth Williams was really good as the mom. Yeah, um, I thought you know, she was really Reminds me of Winona Ryder's character in Stranger Things. We're yeah, talking about that. For sure. Um, I didn't notice the age difference between them until you really mentioned it. Um, so Joe mm-hmm. Beth Williams was, um, when she was born in 1948, and Craig T. Nelson was born in... 1944 so they're like 40 years well ago. i mean it's their characters like she definitely seems much younger than him she in does the, in the film itself i i There's laughed a lot I mean. that like when craig t nelson is being like um like the american dad type yeah. character yeah, where yeah, he's yeah. like standing in front of the mirror and he's like before after before after and he's like showing off his like dad bod um uh-huh. and just like everything like he's he works from like the comedic level that this yeah, movie has sure. that i wasn't expecting yeah and i think i think all the kid actors do a pretty decent job with what they're given um mm-hmm. i mean the kid that played robbie never really went on to do too much more no it doesn't um, seem like many of any of the kids i mean you know obviously two of I them mean, died young yeah but, unfortunately two of them died young so yeah. but they were still i mean the heather o'rourke who was carol ann was you know she was alive for she was in both uh, the sequels six maybe. years after this movie came out right but she was only in the sequels yeah um so yeah, no, and I mean, and that's the same thing we had with the Omen last week, right? That the character yeah. or the actor who played exactly. Damien, like he wasn't in anything besides yeah. the uh, I don't even think he was in the he wasn't even in the Omen sequels. He wasn't in anything nope. after this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do think Robbie is like you know again like a lot of this is just kind of like your typical '80s characters or typical For '80s sure. um, kind of nuclear family that we're getting in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I agree. All right, uh, Jim says like Brendan, I thought that Spielberg had directed this. Uh, it is good that he at least wrote and produced it because it feels so much like the most early Spielberg movie. It feels even more like it might be a single the single most Stranger Things movie. Mm. Anyway, I thought that it was still fun to go back to. Craig T. Nelson plays Craig T. Nelson effectively. <laughs> so many great lines. They're here. TV people. When it rots, can we dig up the bones? Etc. The characters are fun and the story is still spooky. Four out of five from Jim. Uh, his hero in the movie is Zelda Rubenstein as Tangia. Uh, she plays the magical person well in a role that could have been a complete mess. Yep. So there you go. Nice. Four out of five from Jim. That's going to be a 3.75 from the listeners. Nice. From the two listeners who wrote in. Yep. Um, so, hey, yes. Yeah. So it's fine. They come in pairs, as they said. It is what it is. Yep. Yeah. They mostly come at night, mostly. Yeah. Um. All right. And uh, so I get to go first. Uh, I am yes. also going to give this a four. I'm probably closer to a 4.25. I, I really like this movie. Um. As I said, I think it loses the thread a little bit just with like when things get like, when we get our big climactic moments and we're just kind of seeing the attack on the house. Um. It turns a little bit into a mess there, but um. Yeah, I, I thought it was a great balance of being scary and being funny and, you know, being a kind of like 80s family movie for the first half hour. Um, right. And, you know, especially for this podcast, like gave me a ton of ideas for movies that we could do next. 
yeah. uh, a ton of connections. So, um, and I, I, I do like what it's saying. I like what we've unlocked about it and effects held up. I mean, I really think it's just losing that. Just it, it just kind of like it had that dip in what made it really good for about a half hour towards the end of the movie. Um, yep. And so that's that's where I lose the star. Um, yeah, I'm right in lockstep with you. Um, I am also four. Um, I think this is a really, really solid early 80s uh, movie that doesn't rely too heavily on gruesome special effects mm-hmm. and instead tries to be legitimately just freaky. Um, and I think it also pulls off a lot of the themes we talked about really well. Um, it may, But I think it may be trying to do too many themes, mm-hmm. and that, that kind of leads to some of the mess of it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, overall, I think it's still four. I think it's a really, really good watch. Um. Especially kind of like we said with the Omen last week, where if you've never seen it, I think it's one of those essential horror movies that you should catch up on. Mm-hmm. Um. But the rewatch value it probably does diminish. Um. But it's still four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's still really great. Yeah. yeah. Um. I definitely like Poltergeist more than the Omen. Um. I agree. Yeah. yeah. That's why I gave it a better score than the Omen. Yeah, I mean, so I get the Omen three, and um, I just think like this was much more just accomplished the mission a lot better. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I want to watch either movie's sequels though, to be honest. I just yeah, can't imagine as much of they add. Yeah, I'm good. Or remake. So, um, all right. Uh, why don't we get into Hero of the Movie? So I already said mine. Mine was kind of the visual team behind it. Uh, whether it was uh, Toby Hooper or the cinematographer Ma- Matthew nice. uh, Leonetti. So I'll just say the visual team, because I think yeah. that lighting and, and you know, and there are probably, you know, there's some visual effects people worked on this as well. So probably the whole team that, that really nice. like did a great job. So ILM basically is what you're going to yes, say. ILM, yes, yeah, ILM. Yes, ILM. Um, and good job by ILM using real bodies. That's a great yeah. way, way to spook, spook your cast. Yeah, and practical old effects. Um, yeah. I'm going to give it to Spielberg for managing to both write and have a heavy hand in the making of this film, the same at the same time he was also trying to manage another suburban film about family drama in ET. Yeah, you can um, even call it. I'm gonna give it to Spielberg. Yeah. I mean, these are basically twin movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Spielberg. Yeah. yeah. I didn't say it before we started the movie, but like I do um, kind of feel like I'm calling my shot, like Jake Taylor in in Oh man, uh, Major League. That means uh, we're gonna end up bunting though. Yeah, so maybe we'll end up bunting, but yes, I... T-U-N-T. Yes, I do feel like I was getting such E.T. vibes watching this movie, and I was like, I think we're probably... I hate to to jump ahead to what I think we'll be doing, and we'll see, but I just think, like, E.T. does feel like the twin movie to this, so much so that they're, like, weekend after each other that these two came out. Um, There's a lot there. I mean, three kids... Yeah, you know. and that summer of 1982 is just like an insane yeah. movie summer. Yeah. I mean, E.T., e. Poltergeist, yeah. The Thing, um, all came out that summer. Um, yeah. And uh, I think Rocky Three was that summer, one of the Star Trek movies. Like, um, I remember I was listening to uh, an episode of the Blank Check podcast. Yes. Um, and they were talking about um, they were talking about uh, The Thing on the Blank Check podcast. And they were they went through they do what's called the box office game where they go through and they mm-hmm. they t- you know they have to try to guess what the box office the top five of the box office was the year or you know when that movie came out the week that movie came out and I do remember them listing both Poltergeist and ET being in that box in that box office yeah I mean ET was like the highest grossing film of all time for a solid fifteen years 
mm-hmm. until Titanic came along, right? Um, yeah, maybe. I don't. I don't have that in front of me. I'm um, pretty sure that's correct. Yeah. So. Right. Uh, what's next? Uh, title connection. So, I wrote this down, and it may be a little too cheeky, but I put Jerry's creepy kids. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, after Jerry Goldsmith. I was I, I was gonna put creepy kids with Jerry Goldsmith. Um, I like Jerry's because Jerry's kids is kind of a play on like, you know, Jerry Lewis's kid. Like mm. it's Jerry's kids is like a thing. Yeah, I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jerry's creepy kids. Um, um, you know, I mean, uh, Caroline does kind of have a Goldsmith crown. Yeah, um, I don't know if there's something there. <laughs> no, um, no. what else do you have for other connections though? Before we do the title connection, is there any? I have uh, creepy kids, Jerry Goldsmith. Is there anything else to last week specifically? Uh, specifically last week, we had the creepy kids. We had the parent going on a wild goose chase trying to figure out what's wrong with their kid. Mm-hmm. Like, in fact, invoking quote-unquote experts in the field. Yeah, um, and, and it having some yeah. sort of, like, lore to the past, right? That the right. past some is kind causing of this. To a tragic event, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. And that there's there's rules, right? That when, um, you know, when Carol Ann is with the, is in, is in the other dimension, that mm. she has to either both go towards the light or stay away from the light. Like right. I was so confused that, by like whether she was supposed to stay or go towards the light. It was so like, I think it was intentionally it, that way, but yeah. Because they I were kind of was. making this shit up as they went along. Like right. and I mean the I don't mean like the writers, I mean the characters in the movie were like bullshitting their way through this because mm-hmm. they had never actually dealt with this before. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um no I, and I think like like last week with Damien, they were like, you know, you need to mm. use this knife to, you know, and take him to right. take, take him to the specific altar. Check, you know, you need to check his his skull for the markings and things right. like that. So, yeah. Um, was the number six? Did the number six ever show up in this movie? That would have been interesting. I don't, I don't think, think, so. think there was anything. Um, there. unless it's like part of the house number. I don't know. I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't, didn't notice. write it down. Yeah. Uh, all right. What about uh, connections to other movies from this year? I mean, yeah, we talked about all the significance the TV plays in this movie and the use of. TV um, throughout some of our other movies, like Romeo and Juliet, Son of Sam, and mm-hmm. the way TV shapes the narrative. Um, we also had the uh, Star Spangled Banner, which um, we had patriotic music in other movies mm-hmm. um, with marching bands. We had sports, both football and baseball, yep. in other films this year. Um, mm-hmm. What else you got? Do we have? Have we had any ghosts this year up until now? Um, well, I mean, we had. Ghost Rider. Yep. Were there ghosts in Ghost Rider? Um, I mean, there was, like, significant cemetery and uh, yep. graveyard in Ghost Rider. Um, here's a big one. We yep. had someone using a closet to do something science fiction-y with space and time in About Time. Mm. Where he had yep. to go That's through true. the closet. Yeah, yep. he's kind of t- transported to, to a different dimension. Yep. And Carol yep. Ann has to go through the closet in this yep. to get transported um, to the other Craig dimension. T. Nelson was in The Devil's Advocate. That well. is also true. That's a big one. Uh, in addition to Private Benjamin last year. Um, oh, yeah. Good point. And I was thinking he was in Parenthood, but I think he – is he in the Parenthood TV show? He's on Parenthood TV show, yeah. Yeah, because I was like, wow, is Craig T. Nelson in the Four Timers Club? But he's only no, in the Four Timers Club. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean traveling, you know, time travel, traveling to a different dimension. And, you know, the Peggy yep. Sue got married. That was, you know, yep. like kind of her version of the Upside Down as well. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think they have any other yeah, big connections to it. Yeah. Um, what else you got? All right. Uh, well, uh, I already talked about my movie map, but um, and you did too. So we talked about Edward Scissorhands as a movie map. Yeah. I had another one as well. Um, I wrote down Young Frankenstein just for all of the like goofiness and spoofing on 
horror tropes that this mm-hmm. movie actually plays with as well, as well as having like a strangely voiced short diminutive assistant. Mm, yep. Oh, um, yeah. So there's, there's some young Frankenstein vibes, um, especially also with the flashing lights and um, thunderstorms play a mm-hmm. big role in both. So yeah. There you go. Um, I had uh, I had Serial Mom as well, just for kind ah, of rocking the suburbs of it all. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but I do think Edward Scissorhands is probably the best in terms of like yeah, making the suburbs into a nightmare. That having that commentary. Um, so yeah. I agree. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, and one last thing. Yeah. So one last thing I wanted to talk about. We didn't talk about this at all, and that's the fact that this film, when it came out in 1982 was rated PG. <laughs> that was going to be mine, but I have um, to back up. Well, the reason I bring it up, and I think you were too, is that Spielberg is pretty much single-handedly responsible for creating the PG-13 MPAA rating, thanks to this movie and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which came out the year before, or earlier that same year. I think it came out in 82. Um, you know, obviously because of the heart, beating heart getting ripped out of the chest, in Temple of Doom and other gruesome visuals and everything in this movie, um, two of the cornerstones behind why the MPAA created the PG-13 rating system um, between PG and R. Uh, What else you got? Yeah, I couldn't believe this movie was PG. And when it started and the PG comes up, I was like, wait, isn't this a horror movie? Why is this movie PG? And I mean, there's no, like, there's no sex in this movie. There's well, I guess, yeah, no, there's not really any sex in this movie. Um, and there's not any swearing in this movie. But I do think the horror and violence, like, I am shocked that this movie, like, what was the, was the remake R or was the remake PG-13? Oh, the remake was probably R, I would guess. Yeah. Um, let's see. So the remake was, I'm just pulling it up. Uh, it was PG-13. Was the oh, nice. Uh, and the remake, the poster is a creepy clown. So um, I just think the, the remake, there's no way it has the charm that this movie Yeah, has. there's no way. Yeah. Uh, all right. My one last thing okay. is, uh, and this is something you and I talked about when we were watching this movie. So I don't know if this is an HBO Max thing, and I'd be curious from other people who watched it, but there is a very hard cut that if I was watching it on a DVD, I would think that the, like the DVD chapter skipped to the next one mm-hmm. because they're in, this is early on, it's about a half hour into the movie, and the family is in the, um, is in the kitchen, and they're seeing the objects move for the first time. Steve and Diane are seeing the objects move across the floor. Yep. Um, and they're, they're like trying to figure out what's going on. And then all of a sudden the scene, like not quite mid sentence, but like as soon as sentence, yeah, yeah, like right when a sentence ends cuts to them standing outside the neighbor's house. Um, So I actually thought this was going to be your one last thing. And I looked uh this up for us. Okay. Um, this is an intentional cut that they had to make at the last second before the movie went to theaters because executives at Pizza Hut saw a screening of the movie and pulled their sponsorship. And so oh, and there they was like a Pizza to, Hut box behind them or something? So they had to cut where Craig T. Nelson's character says, I hate Pizza Hut. And so they had to cut the scene right before he says that. Huh. And so it's a hard cut from where he would have said, I hate Pizza Hut for some reason, any reason in that scene, to the cut at the neighbor's house. So why do you think he said, I hate Pizza Hut? No idea. Okay. My theory is that he's like, they ate Pizza Hut and he's like, my mind is playing tricks on me as I'm digesting oh, right, right, right. Pizza Hut. The Pizza and, Hut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Pizza Hut is making me like see this. Right. Um, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, Pizza Hut pulled their sponsorship. At the I could see Pizza Hut making you hallucinate that there's ghosts in your house. Probably did when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. All right. Well, uh, what what do you think? Do you hate Pizza Hut or do you like Pizza Hut? Are you thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, I don't think I've actually had Pizza Hut in like years, years yeah. and years. I, I I mean I've become much more of a um, Domino's has gotten better. Domino's used to be the trashier one when I was mm-hmm. a kid, but now like Domino's, if I'm gonna get chain, I'm gonna get Domino's because they've like bounced back. They've had a real career resurgence. Uh, yeah. I like that uh, now. I think yeah. the idea, especially in the 80s of Pizza Hut, like the Pizza Hut buffet yeah. and like the, the, the pizza plastic, parlor, yeah. the plastic red cups from Pizza Hut yep. and like the buildings that used to be Pizza Hut that you see all yeah. over the place. The like, sit down Pizza Hut where you yeah. would like play video games. And yeah. Yeah. The idea of Pizza Hut in my head, I do associate with like early 90s, late 80s. Um, I can't sure. if we get Pizza Hut and ET, but like I feel yeah. like we do. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's interesting that, the, that that's like the Pizza Hut cut. Uh, is, yeah, is the, for sure. What we can call that. So, um, oh, all right. Well, that's fine. I'm glad. Domino's Thank you for looking that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was very noticeable, and I'm glad that. Yeah, it was, it was definitely me. noticeable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not just you. Cool. All right. All right. Um. Well. Uh. Shall we? So what? That's a 3.75. Was it? Was or what was the? Score? That's a four overall. Four. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Three point nine one six. Nice. Yeah. Three point nine one six. Cool. Uh. Well, it's good. We're we're in lockstep. Me, you, Jim. And the average are all in lockstep for a four on this movie. Damage him. All right. Well, uh, we will see if we're going to be sticking with Spielberg next week. Uh, and maybe that's our title connection. Although I think our title connection should just be like the next weekend if we do E.T. Yeah, uh, and I, and so I know like. In another suburban town in California. I mean, so <laughs> like, and I know like some people don't like when we like, uh, uh, like wheel jam, ladder jam, like kind of point things in a certain direction. But I, and we'll see if he, I just feel like E.T. is like this movie, but like the science fiction version of Poltergeist. And this is like the horror, horror version yeah, of yeah. Poltergeist. Like both are like this like California suburban neighborhood and like a family with three kids. Um, yeah. And like they have the experts. That, like there's just what like a ha- million. What, what happens if Craig T. Nelson and Diana don't make it? E.T. happens. Well, and yeah. like <laughs> there's just like so many connections. I mean, it's almost too obvious to pick it because of that. It's but Dean Nelson, the dad in ET that you never see. I don't know, maybe. Um, probably maybe he not. moved to California with his new family. So we're just doing the whole ET podcast right now. Yeah, yeah, I think be. we're doing it right now. Uh, <laughs> and, and the fact that, like, I thought these movies came out like a year apart, and the yeah. fact that these movies came out a week apart is nuts. So, uh, you know, maybe people aren't going to want to listen ahead because we're just going to. You'll find out if we're going to pick ET or not. But I just like, I just think that's a <laughs> slam dunk. That is a like. Let's, I I am Jake Taylor pointing at the outfield and saying we were going to be doing ET next week. See what everybody else thinks. But we'll see if we zag. Yeah, maybe we will. Yeah, let's see. All right. Well, well one we start... of us even suggest ET. All right. Oh, well, we don't have a ton of listener connections this week, but uh, we start with Jenny, and she says we'll go to the ring. I've never seen it, but my understanding is that the scary thing in the movie comes from the TV. Indeed, it does. Indeed yes, it, it does. does. Yeah. They're here. I do uh, like Jenny. Jim says this seems like a perfect excuse to do the original Ghostbusters, mm. but the sequels and remakes wouldn't be bad either. Uh, a few of the scenes, many of the special effects and the paranormal jargon are very closely linked between Poltergeist and Ghostbusters, plus they share 29 casting crew. A Jim lot of those it. coming from ILM. Yeah. Ah, yes, ILM. Um, and Ghostbusters was 84? Or... 84, yeah. Okay, so two years after this, um, you know, we just talked I mean, about we how... have Ghostbusters in this movie. Yes, you know. we, we do have a team of Ghostbusters. Three Ghostbusters. Well, we have Three four Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah, we have four, yeah. really. Um, 
And I do think like uh, Tangiana and uh, I know I'm pronouncing her name wrong, but uh, and um, the Janine, the the secretary mm-hmm. for the Ghostbusters, are like, very similar characters. And um, and I do think like Ghostbusters is the comedic version of Poltergeist. True. So true. he is the science fiction version of Poltergeist. Poltergeist is the horror version of Poltergeist, and mm-hmm. Ghostbusters is the comedic version. There you go. All right. And Megan the Librarian, uh, we coaxed her into giving us some suggestions for this week. She has Texas Chainsaw Massacre because of Toby Hooper, but she doesn't really mm-hmm. want to watch it. Yeah. And The Conjuring, another family in a haunted house movie. Indeed. Um, indeed. We thought it was, was James Wan who did The Conjuring. Might have been. Yeah. Both, yeah. Uh, both good connections um, make a lot of sense. Nice. All right. I get to go first. Um, All right. Oof. Uh, let's go with a few different things. A few um, good men. Frighteners, which is another movie about a team of paranormal investigators. Ah, yes. This one directed by Peter Jackson, starring Michael Jake Fox. Um, which I don't think I've ever actually seen. Me neither. The whole way through. Um, I remember the another, box from the video store. Yeah. Um, another spooky Spielberg one where... There's lots of flashing lights and something strange is going on with the house. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yes. Uh, especially the way the light is going throughout this movie. It reminded yeah. me so much of Close Encounters. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, how about a movie where a kid gets stuck inside of a TV? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Like TV. Uh, and that's um, the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, or is it Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? The one with uh, Willy Wonka is the original Charlie. Okay, the, yeah, do the Willy Depp. Wonka, not the Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You know, speaking of, uh, um, of Edward Scissorhands himself. Let's see another one that another one. Um, Spielberg wrote, but um, I think he wrote this. Yeah, uh, AI, which I've been wanting to revisit. I know mm-hmm. you visited recently. Yes. And then my big finish, um, you brought this up earlier, and I was, like, trying to get you to be quiet. Um, mm. We have Craig T. Nelson, who's a suburban dad, who keeps flexing in front of the mirror, thinking about the good old days. He has three kids. One of them may have some sort of superpowers. I'm talking about The Incredibles. Ah, yes. Yep. Nice. So there you go. Uh, that's going to be my final yeah. is the incredibles the incredibles um yep. <laughs> and we can if we pick the incredibles we once again be like oh it's our first animated movie um which i feel like we do every and time i believe an that movie. film also starts with craig t nelson st- sitting in front of the television like the mr incredible i do feel like that yeah he's like passed yeah. out in front of the tv yeah um and we have three kids in that movie three as well kids. yep yeah um and it's like a uh, you know suburbia with a yep. twist um, which could be our yep. title connection. There you go. Although we could probably use, my, use a twist a bunch. Those are my five. Yep. Nice. So The Frighteners, Close Encounters, Willy Wonka, AI, and The Incredibles. All right. Um, Ghostbusters has been taken off of my list. Yep. Um, so I, uh, but I have some others. How many did you do? Just so I can. I did count five. Up. You um, did five. All right. If you Not want me to week. throw in a sixth, I can. No, nah, it's fine. Five is good. All right. Uh, first one is Ready Player One. That was the very first one I wrote down. Uh, Spielberg. Lots of pop culture references. Um, I haven't revisited it since I saw it in the theaters, and I liked Ready Player One. I love the book, um, but it has a lot of backlash, so it might be fun to revisit. Interesting. Uh, next one, my uh, one of my heroes of the movie, uh, uh, Michael Leonetti. It was Matthew Leonetti. What was his name? Uh, <laughs> Matthew Leonetti, not Michael. Um, 
Matthew Leonetti, one of the movies that he did, I said when I was looking at his filmography, there was one that popped up. This is another 80s science fiction movie. Uh, this one with a comedic twist. Uh, what I've never seen, Weird Science. There you go. We have a lot of weird science in Poltergeist with the- uh, There's a lot of weird science. With, yeah, with the experts that come in. So I thought that could be a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next one, uh, this is one I've never seen. I did go through a bunch of the Friday, or the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies, but this is one I did not get to. Uh, and this one apparently has a lot of meta with it uh, involving TV. Um, a lot of people say yep. it's kind of like Wes Craven's warm-up to doing Scream. Uh, yep. That's New Nightmare. Oh, I uh, thought you were going to go with uh, Dream Warriors. Okay. No, so I did watch that one. So this one, apparently they're making a Freddy Krueger movie um, gotcha. ab- about the Nightmare on Elm Street. So it's a very meta, very winking at the camera. Um, lots of commentary on horror movies like what you get in Scream. Yeah. Um, so we had the poster on the wall. We had Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, I believe this movie was, you know, has been in contention a couple times uh, recently. Uh, yep. How about we do, you know, a, uh, some sort of force that is uh, malicious and Jerry Goldsmith can take us through with his music and do Alien. Love Alien. Yeah. Love it so much. So that's four. Yes. Um, and, uh, Are you not going to do it? No, I'm going to do not it. Gonna I was thinking, like, how funny would it be if I, didn't put, if, uh, if I didn't put E.T. on the list? Um I mean, I have other movies I could sub for E.T., but I do think, like, the the, the force is strong between this movie and E.T. Um, we literally just go from, like, one weekend at the box office to the next weekend at the box office. And I do like that it's not a horror movie because it was hard for me to come up with movies that weren't horror movies to yeah. put on my list. Like, I mean, so. I have plenty that are. I mean, I had Amityville Horror and Paranormal Activity and all those kinds of things on my yeah. also rants. Yeah, I just think, like... Let's throw E.T. on there. Um, there you go. I've, I've recently revisited it, um, but I appreciate a lot more of it as an adult. It also terrified me as a kid. It's um, still Halloween, too. You know. I mean? Yeah, there is a Halloween scene in yep. E.T. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned a couple other movies on your list. A couple of movies that I had honorable mentions on my list. I had The Shining yep. for Haunted Hotel. Shining. The Sixth six Sense for Ghosts yep. Who Can't Move On. Yep. Uh, Shaun of the Dead. Um, I yep. think that was really just kind of for like, you know, the dead coming back and haunting you um, yep. and, you know, happening in like a suburban environment. I had Bird Box. Um, I don't know yep. much about Bird Box, but I think it's about like the dead a rising. Mom taking care of her kids. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, killer Clowns from Outer Space, uh, Lights Out, um, The Haunting, Haunting in Connecticut, uh, The Others again, It, mm-hmm. Chapter yep. One. I had uh, It on my list. Barbarian. Oh, um, I wanted to see Barbarian too. Uh, what else? Anything else? A ghost story and ghost. I wrote down just because. Oh yeah, those are good. You know. Um, yeah. and uh, yeah, I the other only other one I had was Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Ah, uh, um, there you go. Booties, which booties. I haven't seen, but I think that's like a, it's supposed to be like a fun horror movie. I did like um, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah. Yeah, I did think that you know I was I was laughing to myself because had we done like The Shining, The Sixth Sense, Shaun of the Dead, like one of these where the dead come back, yeah. we could have made our title connection The Dead Speak. Ah. Um, which I just made me laugh because I was thinking of uh, Rises <laughs> Skywalker. Right. Good job. All right, Brennan, why don't you read what we've got, and we can pick a movie and get out of here. All right, we've got The Ring, Ghostbusters, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Conjuring, Frighteners, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, AI, The Incredibles, Ready Player One, Weird Science, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Alien, and E.T. The Extra. Short list this week. Yeah. Yep, Zach, you get to go first. All right. Um, you know, I love I love AI. Um, I don't like close, close Encounters very much. I think yeah. that's kind of a weak Spielberg. 
Um, I've never seen The Frighteners. That's the only one I've, I, I haven't seen. I haven't seen. Willy Wonka I recently watched because Renap did it. Um, yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how much there is to say about Willy Wonka. I feel like everybody's covered that already. So yeah. I'm going to throw The Incredibles on there. I think there's actually a lot of really good connections in terms so too, of like yeah. Craig T. Nelson's nuclear family. Um, yeah, I was pretty happy with myself when I came up with that one. Yeah. Nice job. Yeah, you clicked on the first star of the movie and you clicked yeah. on the first movie on his letterbox. Good job. Yep, exactly. Um, <laughs> What and do you I want me to do? There hasn't been a coach movie yet. Yeah, I'm sure that movie is on Disney Plus. So <laughs> that will be it, at least in America. All right. From the listener list, I think it makes the most sense um, to throw Ghostbusters in. Um, yeah. We talked about all the connections between this film and yep. Ghostbusters. Um, good job, Jim. Ghostbusters from the listener's list. Yeah, I think that's a very good connection. Very, yep. um, very obvious one. Not, not obvious, but like very, like lots of connections. It makes, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right, so I got to pick from the listener list. Uh, this is a struggle because all three are horror movies. Um, all three are ones I've seen. Um, I just watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Megan Leverian also doesn't want to watch it, so it'd just be cruel yeah. to pick that one. Um, I mean, The and, Ring has come up twice now as a good connection. Yeah, I do. I do like the like the you know ghost is coming from the ghost in the TV. Maybe is the title connection I there. Think so, so. Yeah. Uh, the Ring. Um, I think they do. just remade The Ring as well. They did. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then there's also, of course, the ring itself is a remake of a Japanese movie called Ringu. Um, but we're doing right. we're doing the American Ring, um, yes, the 2002 Gorbinsky. Correct. Yeah, uh, and I mean, obviously, from your list, uh, weird science. Just kidding. Uh, e. T. The extraterrestrial. You know, if you pick something else, I wouldn't. You know, I, I would understand. Wouldn't, you wouldn't blame me. I know. No. But um, no, I I think it makes a lot of sense to go to E. T. I would love to revisit E. T. I think um. Now is when I can reveal that E.T. is actually one. I told you a while back, um, a few weeks ago, that I created a legacy secret letterboxed list. Mm-hmm. Um, E.T. is on that list. I think what does your legacy list mean? Um, basically, movies that I want to do for the podcast that I think would be like landmark ah, yes. episodes for us, like big movies for big movies for us personally. Mm-hmm. That I think that I think would be really great for the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we should do E.T. All right. Uh, well, let's see what we got for streamability. So I was right. The Incredibles is on Disney+. Plus. Yep. Uh, the Ring is on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, Ghostbusters is on Hulu. Great. And E.T. is on Peac- uh, yeah, Peacock Premium or uh, cool. local library or rental. So uh, um, all streamable on some sort of service. Excellent. Um, and I'm fine with doing E.T. I, did we already do too much of the E.T. podcast uh, in this I mean, That's a great question. I think that what we can do is something similar to what we did with Home Alone, where we talk about our five favorite things for, about mm-hmm. ET. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fun. Um, yeah. I think I, it'd be a lot of fun. I think it's an easy one for the listeners. Um, I think it's, you know, not going to make anyone too upset. Um, it is, you know, a couple more weeks till Halloween. It's very heavily connected to Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I yeah. No, there is, there is the Halloween scene in it. I mean, yeah, it's a, um, you know, one of the all time great movies on many people's yeah. top lists. Um, and Absolutely. so, yeah, I guess we're, we're doing E.T. Um, and fantastic. we will try to uh, try to cover it in a way different than every other podcast that's already covered E.T. is. Well, guess what? Um, Next week, I'll be right here. Right here, yes. Uh, we can compare Drew Barrymore with uh, Heather O'Rourke. Heather O'Rourke. Henry yeah. Thomas with Little Robbie. I mean, yeah. it is crazy that this movie came out a week after. Like, I just can't it's get over the fact yeah. that this movie came out a week after Poltergeist. Now, it did yeah. it did debut at Cannes uh, in May, but the you know yeah. theatrical debut was a week after Poltergeist. Pretty wild. So, um, 
You know, my brother gave E.T. half a star once upon a time. <laughs> I think he's just trolling. Who's wrong I, with I, your brother? All right. I don't, um, he, that is a great question. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, you know what? Right, well, you do you, Aaron. You do yes. you, man. Uh, all right. You well, uh, shine on, you crazy snowflake. Elliot. Yes. Henry Thomas. <laughs> we are going to have uh, an alien that you are going to find. And everybody's seen E.T. They know what happens. But if you've never seen E.T., I would love to know if we are. I would love um, to know. Yeah. If somebody is going to see E.T. The, on, the only person on Letterboxd that I follow with E.T. on their watch list is this podcast. So, uh, <laughs> you know, That's funny. I, I would be curious how many times E.T. has come up. Um, yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, in the past. So I'm sure yeah. it's a number of times. Um, and uh, oh, it uh, doesn't seem like as much as you'd think, but we'll find <laughs> out. So, uh, all right. Uh, well, Brendan, what are you uh, excited to watch this week? Ooh, uh, I'm actually gonna, after we get done here, uh, go watch the Redeem Team on Netflix uh, so yes, that I can listen yeah. to the latest, uh, Nothing But Netflix with Robert's podcast. Um, I, I was looking forward to that doc even before they said that's what they were going to be doing. Um, mm-hmm. so excited to check Is that, that one out. of those, like, uncovered, like, whatever they're, Yeah, like, it's like the stupid series. untold, whatever. Yeah, they're, yeah, so, yeah. I, the problem I have with those is they're like super biased, like the anti tail Oh, of course they are. Very yeah. biased, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and like it's they, just like they don't even really hide it. And I've heard this yeah. one is like a a Coach K slop fest. That's so. what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I heard. I I listened to that Bill Simmons podcast too, buddy. Hmm. <laughs> that's true. Yes, he did say that. That's um, where that's where. But I yeah, uh, and then you know uh, another episode of Andor tomorrow, which I'm really excited about. How are those podcasts and, going? Uh, the podcasts are going great over on Post Show Recap. So I hope people are checking them out. Um, you know, you can follow us at, uh, at Post Show Recaps, uh, or postshowrecaps.com slash Star Wars for, uh, all your Star Wars coverage. Uh, nice. Really having a lot of fun chatting about that every week with Rich and Latanya. Nice. Um, yeah, no, that's, it's great that you get to do that. I someday will listen to it. Um, I just don't know <laughs> when. Sure you will, buddy. I know, sure I will. will. Well, I, for... you know, when I do watch the show, I will go through and listen to it. It's just, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of TV right now. I was thinking I about all the shows that have come out over the last year that I've missed and that I wanted to yeah. get to, and just, it's, yep. um, and I was like, okay, when House of the Dragon ends, I'll, you know, maybe I'll have some time, but then, uh, White Lotus is starting, like, the next week. And, and 1899 starts on Netflix in two weeks, which oh, I'm God. very excited about. Yeah, I'm very excited yeah. for 1899 as well. Yeah, it's going to have a lot of fun. Um, maybe we'll yeah. have some 1899 coverage. Not we. Um, <laughs> you, you, you and, and I. Us. I mean, you oh, and you I. And I. Like yeah, who knows? Hey, if somebody wants to invite us to talk about it on a podcast, I'd do it. Um, mm-hmm. But we will be invited on a podcast to talk about E.T. next week. Uh, probably going to be doing our five favorite things from E.T., like we've done yep. for Back to the Future. Ferris Bueller, Home Alone, Home Alone. just yep. a different format, um, just to change things up a little bit. And uh, sticking with Steven Spielberg, sticking with 1982, sticking with summer of 1982, June of 1982, uh, so many connections. Just a, a myriad of connections. We might just have to do one, like a whole 30 minutes on connections between these right, two. Right, man. Uh, yep. well, if we haven't spoiled them all yet. Yeah, I know. All I right. think we don't want to step on it too much. Well, we've already stepped on it, in it, all over it. So uh, we'll be back next week. Talk to you about E.T.
right. Um, well, so uh, our buddy Josh Larson from Film Spotting Podcast, he's, you know, it's a very appropriate review that he wrote for uh, Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day. Nice. When we watched this movie, he said the land acknowledgement horror movie. Yes. Yep. The, there you um, go. Yeah, taking over the land. Yeah, he uh, talked about eminent domain on the podcast. Yes, eminent domain, right? yes. Uh, and uh, Lucy says, you son of a bitch, you moved the cemetery, but you left the bodies, didn't you? You son of a bitch, you left the bodies, and you only moved the headstones. You only moved the headstones. Why? 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 <laughs> um, uh, Dirk, because on the same was cheaper. Yeah, yeah, Dirk, on the same wavelength as you saying, overlong infomercials on the dangers of watching too much television. Absolutely. Um. Oh, what about this one? Brad says, extra half star, because if you squint, you can pretend that Craig T. Nelson is Harrison Ford. Fair. I like it. Yep, do, you think that's it. do you think that's why uh, Spielberg chose him for this role? If mm. chose him? No, no. I think it's just, you know, she wants have, Harrison Ford in this role instead, which is, you know. Should we unfair. go back in time and add what lies beneath to our list? Because mm. very Harrison Ford, that's, a you know, uh, ghosts in the house, dead, yeah. the dead speak. Well, guys, um, I remember not much about it. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer, I think, is the mm. wife in that, and yep, I yep. think it was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't remember for sure. I, I, I think I remember liking it at the time, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, it's one I've, I've wanted to revisit for a while. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> Ely says, I love how the teenage daughter just fucking up and left as soon as freaky shit started happening. Because yep. that would be me. Yep, she just peaced out, and, and yep. And, uh, you know, you said originally you thought this movie was directed by Steven Spielberg. And Gabriel says, if Toby Hooper directed this, I'll eat my hat. This is more Steven Spielberg in than, <laughs> than a high beam flashlight. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the trivia that I was digging up on IMDb seemed to indicate that Spielberg was on set for a lot of this movie. It would not shock me to find out in our trivia for next week, and you'll have to listen and find out, if this movie was shot in the exact same hollywood set subdivision as et oh and so spielberg was on both sets simultaneously it would not how much cocaine was steven spielberg on in 1982 a lot uh well this was i don't know poltergeist was mgm and et is universal true true but they could have been on the same who knows probably in the same same city at least yeah yeah Yeah. we'll find out 